How are you? Darling, it's been too long. I know, right? How have you been? I've been doing well, working and hustling per usual. You know the life. Listen, always boots on the ground, boots on the ground. I get it. That's right. Where are you right now? I am in Seattle. Okay. How is, uh, how's the weather? The weather is cold and rainy, but it's nice in its own way. You know, it's kind of magical. Yeah, I thought I always used to say that about when I lived in San Francisco. Like I was like, oh, I, I could get used to this. I'm not, I wasn't mad about the rain and the fog and the, the mystery of it all, I guess. Yeah, I don't know if I could get used to it, but <laughs> it's nice for the month that I'm here. Yeah. Um, how often are you out on the road? Oh, gosh. I mean, you know, it just changes every month. It's, it's a different schedule, but uh, I would say very often. <laughs> that's, that's good that's good um all right well welcome everyone to another episode of what's up Woody, the podcast where it's time to have a real conversation my name is woody woodbeck your host and today's guest is my dear friend someone i truly admire and i wanted to look at you when i said that um hey. laganja estranja how are you darling you know i'm sickening oh I was waiting for you to do that. No you know, I have to. The no kids how, They do. No matter how many times I try, never going to happen. I'm just too <laughs> New York, too Italian to make that noise. My tongue is too big for my mouth. I don't know. <laughs> hey, it's all good. Just leave it up to me. It's my thing. And, you know, almost a decade later, still repping it. I know. It's so crazy. I was trying to think about how long you and I have known each other. And I feel like when we first met and I was club promoting, you had maybe just started yeah i think we drag? knew each other before drag race so it would have been like 2012 yeah, yeah yeah so it's been a minute can you believe it's been 10 years that's wild yeah no yeah that's you've wild. known me my whole drag career that's for sure that is one of the that, first promoters i started working with that's right and and always you know i think the one thing that we loved about you was you always brought such energy but I think you also like, truthfully, you were just always kind and nice, you know, like you get, you know, we, we saw a lot of performers, especially in my 10 years of club promoting, and we saw a lot of performers come and go. Um, And then, you know, we were also around for the kids who are now, you know, like yourself, the Shangels of them all, the detoxes, you know, like the Willem. Willem was our dancer booker for the longest time, you know, like, and still did it even famous and all still went on about his way and did it. And, you know, I'm, I look back and I'm like, God, if I had thought that all of these people that were my friends, like would have gone to have such things, I would have always hoped that for them. Right. Totally. And hope that for you, but I never would have imagined the the careers that you all have had. So what well, is that I can been tell like? you, I can tell you, we all imagined it and that's yeah. how we made it happen, you know? <laughs> facts, facts, yes. So um, what what was it like for you? Because I know you kind of started out at Mickey's, right? Like you won a competition and you went into it from there. So what was it like making that transition from being club clean to, you know, drag race of it all? Yeah, I mean, it was definitely a difficult transition. Um, you know, one that I'm very grateful for, obviously, uh, I think I just stopped working locally uh, thanks to Corona. That kind of made me uh, build up my entrepreneurship. And so I figured out a way so that I didn't have to work locally anymore, uh, which has been like a great kind of transition for me. But, you know, up until 2020, I was still working at home, even though I had gigs that I was doing internationally and um, you know, just to pay bills. So I think for me, uh, the main transition obviously was getting to see the world and was to be making those higher uh, paying rates uh, as I traveled. But ultimately, you know, the work has never really stopped. I think even now that I'm in a better place, thanks to all stars, you know, there's so much that I want to accomplish in my career. And I feel much like Lady Gaga, where I just keep putting what I make back into the brand and back into uh, my dreams. And I think ultimately kind of speaking back to what I was saying, you have to imagine something before you can really make it come to fruition. And so this year, you know, I'm really focused on my music career and I'm really hoping to uh, get out there with my one woman show. Finally, after all these years, my own show. So 
Um, definitely a, a blessing to have been on RuPaul's Drag Race. I do not think I would be where I am today if it wasn't for that show. It, you know, got me such a huge platform that I wasn't able to obtain just working in West Hollywood. Uh, but I also ultimately think that a lot of my success is due to the fact that I am kind and that I haven't given up and that no matter what obstacles have come my way, I've continued to navigate them, solve the issues and move forward, you know, one stiletto at a time. I mean, it, it does really speak to your success because I wasn't lying when I said, I've seen how hard you work. Um, you were boots to the ground club, like just always did your thing and brought such energy. I always, I think I always referred to you as like the queen of the people, like just, you never turn, turn your back on anybody and never said no, you never threw anybody out of the bus. And in our world, right. Especially that club world that happened more often than none. Um, and one thing that, as you know, working with me, like we prided ourselves on not being those people. Like we were like, that's not our world. We're not going to be the promoters that trifle over a hundred dollars or this or whatever. Like that just wasn't our thing. And Paul and I always said that. And so we wanted to always work with people like you where, you know, y'all, y'all were as loyal to us as we were to, to you guys as then, you know? And I think what hasn't gone unnoticed is the dedication to your craft, because what I love about drag is that it's ever evolving, right? There's an artistry to it. Um, and we see that with a lot of you, but there are people that get very stuck in their world and that's all they do. And they don't really know how to get out of it, right? Um, I've seen that with a lot of queens over my years, but what is it that continues to inspire you to take it to the next level and not just jumping off of balconies or dropping from the ceiling? <laughs> uh, well, I think, you know, I mean, speaking to what you're talking about dedication, I think dedication is a, a very powerful um, sort of concept. You know, I, I've tried to not only be dedicated to my craft, but I've also tried to be dedicated to bettering myself as a person. And I think um, those two kind of go hand in hand, right? If you're not constantly evolving and checking in with yourself and working on yourself to become a better person, how can you expect your art to do so? And I think ultimately what inspires me to stay um, steady with my dedication is my goals. It is my dreams. It is my aspirations of being a, you know, known not only for Laganja Stranja, but also being known as Jay Jackson, the choreographer and Jay Jackson, the director. And I think the want to sort of diversify my brand in that way has kept me very dedicated because I've had to be. I think dance, you know, a lot of dancers around 30 or 40, they kind of have to find another career because their bodies aren't able to, you know, continue keeping up with the stamina and the rigorous form of art that is dance. And so for me, um, that's something I always knew. And that's why I always wanted to go into choreography. And that's why I've always tried to you know, play twister board. So do the Laganja gigs, but also do the choreography and also build my cannabis brand and also work on myself as a person. I think, you know, like I said, if you're not constantly evolving on all platforms, it makes it really hard to succeed in any of them. So for me, I'm just dedicated to myself and I'm dedicated to what I believe in, which is the Laganja Stranja brand. Yes. But also this idea of being a working artist and working in that lane only. I think a lot of times artists, you know, get scared and, you know, financially they're not able to keep themselves afloat and that's why they often turn their back on it. And for me, I really felt like I had no other option. This was my only option. I was born to be an artist. And so I had to kind of figure out a way to make that be maintainable. Um, so yeah, I think it's, it's, it's a want to stay dedicated, but it's also just like my birth given talent. It's what I was given this energizer buddy that just never stops and always keeps going. You know, uh, I always say, I think when I work with, um, people that have been are on reality TV, right. Cause that's what I do. And I, you know, people always ask me for advice all the time. And I, Tell them, you know, 10 years ago, what I would have told them was make sure your social media is on point because that's going to get you a check. You're going to end the club. If you have so many thousands of followers, you, you, that's going to be it, right? Now, 
everybody like that's all people are doing and it's a whole business a whole billion dollar business so like having 10,000 followers is not going to get you what it did back in the day. You know what I mean? So like, I think that you really need to be much smarter to capitalize off of television and then realize, okay, this is my thing. Now I can take it and build a brand. I can build a business off of that and parlay that into a substantial income, right? Like it's just different. Things are different than they were 10 years ago. So I wonder for you, obviously the dancing is a passion for you. And then you also have your cannabis line and other things. How do you find the balance, you know, and making sure that you, because I think the one thing that COVID really taught us was making sure we take time for ourselves, right? So how do you find the balance between all of it and still keep up with it? I mean, to be honest, this is something I struggle with a lot. It's very hard to maintain balance, especially when you are playing Twister board with so many different types of projects. You know, it's it's one thing when you're just a drag queen and you work in just the drag lane and you have drag bookings or drag podcast or, you know, but like I said, for me, drag is just one of the many things that I work on. So it's difficult, right? I am very lucky to have a new manager this year. This is the first year that I've ever really had a manager I've had booking agents. Um, I've had people that I work with that manage certain aspects of my career, but I've never really had someone who looks at the whole thing and works on it as sort of a big conglomerate moving it forward. And so I think for me, that's been something that's really helped me in balancing it is, is having a manager who is able to say, okay, well, X, Y, and Z makes you happy. So let's get more of that on your calendar so that you're able to do the drag gigs and not want to kill yourself. Um, I think therapy has also been a huge, uh, crucial uh, tool in my life that has kept me um, balanced. I think, you know, having someone who is from an outside perspective, look at your life and give you neutral uh, critiques that hopefully help you lead into better practices is so, so important. I am very lucky that I am seeing currently a therapist with the Trans Wellness Center, and they have been so incredible to me uh, since the beginning of my transition. And I, I feel really lucky to have found that outlet. So to any listeners who are in Los Angeles who may be in my trans uh, family, I definitely highly suggest you check out Trans Wellness. Their resources are truly mind-blowing and and I can say very confidently that their therapist Renato is genius and I'm so grateful for him. Uh, I think yoga is another one of the the ways that I keep balance. I think again as an artist who uses my body as a tool it's like super important to me um, that I keep my physical form in the best shape it can be. Um, You know I've struggled a lot with drinking on and off in my career Uh, I did about three years sober from alcohol and drugs and then sort of fell off the wagon and then tried moderation. And now I'm sort of getting back on not drinking. So, you know, I think it's a journey. And I think that's sort of the beautiful and challenging thing of life is finding balance in in all aspects, not just in our jobs, but in ourselves as people. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I definitely agree with you across the board on all those things. I, I tell people, all the time, therapy completely changed my life. Yeah. It, 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 I think there comes a point in our lives where we get so caught up in the act of life, right? Living and, and what that entails, that we start to lose part of ourselves. And unless we keep that in check or have somebody employed by us to keep that in check, um, we, we can get very lost as human beings. You know, I think the, the thing that uh, what we often uh, learn in sort of the hard way is we forget to take care of ourselves and totally. and and unfortunately that's i mean truthfully i relate to that because i had to have a major reset covid and some personal things really set me for a loop and i i simply didn't know how to ask for help you know i, di- I just didn't and um once i started seeing a therapist and you know other things I really set the tone for who I wanted to be. And I think that, so I totally agree with you. I think, you know, anybody listening, don't be afraid to ask for help. I I feel, you know, somebody said to me one time, oh, it's like, uh, you know, when you, you should just pick up your phone and call somebody, but that phone feels like 10,000 pounds, right? Like, because it just, it's so hard to pick up when you're in trouble or you need something. Um, If you could just get past that, I think, you know, all things kind of lead to a better road for sure. 
I agree. I think the hardest part is making that call and finding the therapist. You know, I think I've had therapy off and on my whole life since I was like 14 years old. And, you know, uh, it's definitely a struggle to find the right person. But I think when you do and you get past that first initial meeting and you realize like, yep, I'm going to have to be real with myself, then everything sort of falls into place and for the better. Yeah. Agreed. I don't want to, I don't want, I want, I know you have so much going on um, currently, so I don't want to spend too much time talking about drag race, but like I would be amiss if I didn't talk a little of bit about course. it. So shall we, we know you went in, you did your thing. You came in with the antics. Some Queens didn't like you. Some Queens did. You were on a very tough season. Uh, lots of big stars came out of that season. What do you think it was? I have several questions, but what do you think was like the most intimidating thing about that? And I'm not even talking about cast. I'm talking about the whole process in the show and everything in general. What was it? Yeah, I think it was the length, you know, we would film sometimes up to 14 hours a day and we would be in drag for like eight hours of that day. So I think stamina was probably the most challenging of that show. And um, because I am such an eccentric, loud character, keeping up that amount of energy for those 14 hours every day with very little sleep, that was definitely a big challenge. Yeah, I I can see that. You know, I I think even people forget, even for us producers, Lord Jesus, like having to not just deal with our, you know, with one person, with a whole cast of characters and, you know, making sure we're also doing our jobs at the same time. It's it's people don't necessarily realize how how tough a reality show experience can be. That's for sure. No, I mean, I think, you know, you see 40 minutes and that is usually two to three days of 14 hours of filming. So you have to just imagine what you are seeing is so fiercely condensed and to actually be there and going through just all the different, um, you know, scheduling. It's, it's just intense. It's, it's really intense. And, and like I said, keeping your energy up in a freezing cold workroom, it's, it's no joke. Yeah. You know, uh, I, I know you do tons of interviews about drag race and, you know, you've done other shows. I want to ask maybe an unexpected question, maybe, what do you think was the most surprising relationship that you got coming out of the drag race world? Huh? Well, most surprising relationship that I've made. Yeah, out of maybe. Yeah. Like, um, was there somebody to befriended you didn't expect to that now has become, you've become super close with, or um, maybe something. Yeah, you learned, actually. But, yeah. In recent years, I was I was about to say, well, you know, I'm not really friends with drag queens, so. <laughs> but uh, I actually did make a really good friend out of Diabetti. She is an amazing, amazing human being. We got to work together on Work the World recently, and we just like, I, at least I did, fell head over heels for her. I mean, she's loves musical theater like me, and I think we have a lot of similar interests and um, sort of ways about approaching drag she's very professional like myself and very reliable and um yeah I I, I've definitely formed a really cool friendship with with her and you know while watching her on the show I loved her character I love anyone that brings drama so um when I first met her she was performing and I just remember telling her like hey just remember whether they love you or hate you as long as your name is in their mouth you're winning. And like, that's something I wish someone had told me when I was sort of going through the, we hate Laganja phase. Um, And so anyways, we bonded over that. And then, like I said, through the tour, we really got to become friends and cut to last year, we were in New York and she brought me tickets to go see Beetlejuice and it was so fun. And so, yeah, I I really love her. And I think that was definitely an unexpected friendship Um, just because you know, I was her fan. I watched her on TV and loved her. And then we became friends. So it's pretty cool. It is, it is really amazing when you see these, um, when you see people that uh, do kind of the same thing, right. But then they're able to um, be totally different artists, identify through the commonality of being drag, uh, doing drag, but also be able to maintain such great friendships. You know, it's wild. You know, Lady Bunny is a really good friend of mine and the story she told me about RuPaul and her and they've just known each other forever. And it's just wild to me, like those friendships and those bonds still like run the same. And I know that you have a a sisterhood with Shangela and Alyssa. um, And I sat here, I think probably a week ago and watched your reunion uh, trip 
that was on YouTube, uh, even before I think I even asked her, maybe I had asked her, already asked you to do this. And I was just so interested in it because I didn't know that you guys hadn't performed together in so long, because in my mind, you guys are a trifecta, like, because you're all from kind of from that same house. So what was it that took you guys so long to kind of come back together and perform together besides it being scheduling? Cause I'm, I know everyone has crazy schedules. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think at the end of the day, there was just a, a difference on what we all wanted. I think at one point we really wanted to be the destiny's child of drag. And then I think of it eventually each is each of us shifted into our own, you know, sort of solo careers. And I think um, that was really the main thing that kind of took us apart is that everyone wanted to focus on themselves. And, and ultimately we needed to, it made us stronger, it made us better. And it pushed all of us in, you know, new directions that working together would have not done. Um, so I was extremely grateful that we had our reunion last year in December. It was the first time in seven years that we had, that we had performed together and it was so special. And thank you for shouting out my YouTube. Definitely check that out. I have a new video every Thursday. Um, you're referring to my day in the life series, which yes. is just sort of a Love. behind the scenes of my life. And, um, shout out to my, uh, editor Gio, who did an amazing job on that house of Edwards episode. I think it's a really touching episode because it, it sort of showed you, you know, how over the years, um, through interviews, like with me on Hey Queen, me always saying that, like, I hope that we'll be able to come back together again. And then, you know, it actually finally happening, happening. So it's amazing. You know, Alyssa and I, we had several years apart as we like to call it. It was, it was a timeout. We were on extended timeout from one another, I'm but boss. you know, we are back, back, back together again and better than ever. And, you know, chatting often and and it's so special to me because you know i really love justin who is the person beneath Alyssa as we're at beneath Alyssa edwards justin and i you know we knew each other almost a decade before drag race i was working for him as a dance instructor at his studio mm -hmm. and so we we have a relationship that goes far beyond drag race and far beyond house of edwards and so to have that back in my life, it's, it's really special. And as I was literally telling my mother the other day, you know, I believe the relationships in life that are really worth it, take the most work because relationships are hard and not just like love relationships, but even friendships and, and they take a constant ebb and flow. And, you know, sometimes I think a timeout is what's needed because mm -hmm. distance does make the heart grow fonder. And, uh, I'm just really, really grateful to have my friend back. And I'm really grateful that the house is, you know, working together again. I don't know if that means that there will be more House of Edwards shows. Um, you know, just to keep it real, we're expensive, girl. We're expensive. So um, I'm hopeful for a U.S. tour. I would love to do that. But I don't really see it in the near future as Shangela is currently touring with her own solo show, Fully Lit, which is amazing. And I'm yeah. gearing up to launch my own solo tour for this year called Daily Basis. So, you know, and Alyssa has her full-time studio that she runs. So yeah. it's, I think, like you said, scheduling is truly one of the main issues that really keeps us from working as a trio because we're all just so busy in our own lives. But to know that the love is there and that the brand is there, I think is really powerful for all of us. And I, I know we each have hopes to do more together for sure. That's great. Um, I know that dance, uh, let me ask you one last thing and then I want to move on to talk a little bit about dance. Is there anything, not that we live in a world of regrets because I don't, and I'm sure you don't. We, we live and we learn, we keep it moving. But is there anything that you would have changed about your drag race experience? You know, I've been asked this before and honestly, I answer this question the same, same way every time. No, sure. I feel like- Great as traumatic as it was for me after when the show ended and finally aired and people didn't really like me, especially in America for about a year. Um, I wouldn't take away the infamy that I gained. You know, I think a lot of Queens from my season were forgotten and ultimately, you know, I've always said the editors did an amazing job at taking what I gave them and creating a very memorable character. So I wouldn't change it. You know, I, I try not to have regrets. I try to just have mistakes that I learn from that I then improve from. So maybe there are some things that I would improve on as far as my looks went, but overall my shenanigans and my tomfoolery, 
I wouldn't change it because it's what's made me so, um, you know, branded. It's it's what's made me one of the characters that people remember all these years later. And so I'm very grateful for the experience I had, even though it was challenging and, and very hard, you know, it, it made me the person that I am today. So, and I like who I am today. So no, I wouldn't change it. Yeah, I mean, all 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 paths lead to the road ahead, right? And like, you know, you wouldn't be who you are today if you hadn't walked down that path. And um, and it, and it's a great path and something to be incredibly grateful for for the rest of your life. Because I mean, I say it all the time. How cool is it to have some part of you documented on camera for millions of people to see? Like, that's such a cool experience. And I I love that about what it's I try a to unique convince. experience. Yeah, I don't know yeah, if yeah. I would use the word cool because, you Facts. know, Facts. I still get lots of hate now every time someone goes sure. back to season six and watches sure. it for the first time. So I don't know that I love that, which is why I'm like, well, I would use the word unique. But okay, yes, is, that is a better choice. It, it, is a, it is an experience that I would not change. Like I said, I, I would not be where I am today if it wasn't for RuPaul's Drag Race. So I wouldn't change it at all. So obviously you have that a, maybe a, to win. I mean, I would change that. Sure. Well, that yeah. Uh, I mean, who wouldn't? Of course. Right? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, so you have an amazing dance background. You graduated from the California Institute of Arts um, with a dance degree. Um, and that is a big part of who you are as an artist uh, in and out of drag. Um, talk to me a little bit about what makes, what about the world of dance is so special to you? And then if you could parlay that into you're so you think you can dance experience because I, I was reading a lot about it and I found a lot of it very interesting, but I want to hear it from your perspective first. Sure. Um, well, to me, the reason dance is so powerful is it's really the only universal language we have. I think, um, you know, I always used this as a, as a reference. I would say like, you know, if Bianca went to Brazil and did her comedy, as opposed to me going to Brazil and doing my dips, I would probably get the more positive reaction because if you don't speak English, then Bianca's, you know, uh, talents don't necessarily translate. Um, whereas what I do, you don't have to speak English. So that's why I always say dance is a universal language because anyone can respond to that. Now that's no shade to Bianca because she just did a tour in Brazil and it was fully sold out. So trust and believe she <laughs> is still winning with her English. But I'm just saying, I think what makes dance so moving to me is that anyone can watch dance and feel and understand what's going on through movement. And I think that's so special. And, and, and that's why I love it so much is because it really has allowed me to reach so many people without words. And I think that that is really powerful. I think music, again, has a similar effect. Um, I know I love, you know, music in other languages that I have no idea what they're saying, but can still feel it from the vibe and the essence of it. But I just think dance takes it that one step further than music does, because it is such a physical form. And I think as people, we're born to react to physical things that we see that uh, is another body moving. Um, and so, yes, that did that passion did take me to So You Think You Can Dance season 15 and 16, the first year I auditioned in drag, um, which is kind of interesting to me now because I think looking back, I think ultimately I was auditioning as myself as I am today um, as a trans woman. But I think in the lens of when I did it, you know, I considered it drag then too. But that's neither here nor there. So I did that first season in drag and eventually they asked me to get out of drag and compete as a male. And I made it to top 33, which is incredible. Um, and basically after that year, I realized like, oh, I'm probably never going to make it on this show as a drag queen. So for season 16, I went in as myself then as a male and competed and only made it to like top 50 which I think is really interesting because Laganja made it further than Jay did. And I, I think a lot of that has to do with, I really was struggling with my gender at that time. And I wasn't able to really wrap my brain or my words around what I was, what I was feeling. And the only way to do it was to express it through Laganja. So if there are any regrets that I have, I would say like, I wish there wasn't an age cap on So You Think You Can Dance and I could go back as myself as a trans woman because I think that's really what I wanted all along. But I'm very, very grateful for that experience. I loved So You Think You Can Dance. It was an incredible, incredible cast of people, many of which I'm still in contact with today. 
In fact, I was dancing with Ezra, who was on, I believe, 16, um, on Dancing with the Stars just recently with Shangela. So I'm, I'm still very much in touch with my So You Think You Can Dance family. And I cannot speak highly enough of the production. They were so incredible. The showrunner, Amy, I'm still really good friends with. Like, I just love them. They were such amazing people. And I think ultimately, I was too old. Um, and I wasn't going to be able to keep up with the rigorous schedule because if Drag Race was hard, then So You Think You Can Dance is going to be like three times as hard because it's mm. so much more physical. Um, but I'm still hopeful that one day I'll get to choreograph for that show because it's it's just something that I've always loved since season one. And I just, I really hope that I will be able to be involved somehow as my true self, you know, later in life. You know, it, you answered my question because I, I really had wondered when I was reading about um, you being on the show, I read an interview uh, where you said, you know, you went back and, and decided to exonate the drag a part of it um, and not really even mention Laganja. And I found that interesting because I wasn't sure if you looked at like to your detriment or not um, as far as the audition process goes, because to me, like your skill should speak for itself. But I also then in the back of my mind, you know, my reality producer kicks in and it's like, oh, well, you know, maybe it could work. Maybe it works for a second. Um, and maybe it doesn't, you know, it's, it's all a, a bet and it's a bet for you just as much as it is for them too. Right. And I mean, at the end of the day, you know, if you want to play in Hollywood, you got to be Hollywood, you gotta, you gotta play the game. And I realized that first season that, you know, a drag queen was most likely never going to be cast on that show. And even though, you know, Nigel applauded me for my talents and really was very nice to me and still is to this day. I ultimately think, you know, that show has been very segregated on gender. It's very females and males and they dance with each other and their partners. And that's just the way that show works. So I figured it was better to play by their rules than push uh, a narrative that I really wanted to tell, which, like I said, ultimately was about my gender identity. But I think even then I didn't know that. It wasn't really until Corona that I discovered or rather accepted my true self. So again, you know, I don't hold so you think you can dance like I'm not mad at them. I don't blame them. I chose fully to go in as my male self and to try to play their game. So, you know, um, that was just a choice I made trying to be smart. And, you know, it's the same reason I never referred to myself as Laganja on the show because I knew cannabis on Fox wasn't going to work. So I was Miss Astranja. You know, it's like I think at some point in the industry, you realize like, okay, I am an artist. I have my own opinions, but there are other people who are in charge of me and in charge of my success who have certain rules that they have to play by. And I either I'm going to form to those rules so that I can get ahead and, and, and have my message be brought to a broader audience, or, you know, you kind of bite your nails and then you don't ever get selected. And it's like, I think that's sort of a waste of time. So that's why I always try to say like, it's a happy balance, right? About Mm -hmm. playing the Hollywood game, giving people what they need, but also remaining true to your art. Makes makes perfect sense. I couldn't have said it better myself. And it, it is interesting too because, uh, and you, um, we could have a whole another show talking about representation of LGBTQ people on television. And and uh, you know, the more we want it, the also the bigger we are to criticize it. Uh, and unfortunately, that seriously, is, I is mean, something we see all the time. I know you're referencing the real friends of we. I sure am. I sure am. <laughs> and it breaks my heart, you know, because it's like, dang, like I hear what everyone is saying. I see both sides of the coin. But what people I don't think realize is that by boycotting the show, like, yes, we are making it that much harder for queer shows to get picked up. And mm-hmm. I'm not saying you have to watch the show or love it, but there's no need to be so negative and to shame people. I mean, I just think it's kind of crazy. Like I'm from the South. So I was taught if you have nothing nice to say, don't say it at all. But my gosh, we live in such an age of Twitter and, you know, everyone has an opinion where we should be free to express our opinions and freedom of speech. And again, I get all of that, but it's just, it's kind of crazy. Like you said, how we, we fight ourselves so hard when really we need to be working together in order to move the community forward. Yeah, I have very loaded opinions that we're not going to get into because I just would be here all fucking day. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, I think um, I think the long and the short of it is, is I just wish that people would spend 
as much energy doing good in the world than they do doing awful, hateful things in the world. And, you know, every time I post something on social media, I try to explain to somebody my point of view. The problem is, is that what people do, unfortunately, online is they make a lot of assumptions about people's tone, about how they're feeling. Oh, he put an exclamation point there, so he's got to be pissed. Relax. It's you're commenting on somebody's social media page. Like, stop. Just it's not it's too much. And um, I think that I just wish that especially for us, when we for our community for so long has been fighting for acceptance, when we're allowed something, even if you don't like it, you don't have to watch it. Like, it's that simple. It doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Like somebody said, somebody said in one of the comments, and I had to archive my Facebook post about it because I got so many messages and then DMs about those messages. I was like, I can't, I'm I'm checking out. I have no skin in the game. I didn't produce the show. I'm not on it. I simply posted the interesting, so happy for my friends that are on it because several of those cast members are my friends. And like, that was it. And everyone went crazy about it. And I was like, hold on, I'm checking out here. because There's just no reason. There's no reason for it. But I truthfully feel like if we just spent more time, like focusing our energy on celebrating the successes of others, like we would be in much better shape, you know, like, and and that's just it. And that's the one thing that really drives me crazy about it. But, um, you know, Sorry, uh, my dog. Uh, there was a knock at the door. So the dog. Uh, <laughs> that's okay. No problem. Hi, doggy. What's your dog's name? Little Dabbers. That's really his name. That's so yeah. cute. That's so cute. I love it. Um, so one thing I really wanted to uh, talk to you about was um, your transition uh, because it is. Uh, I I don't know. I know we keep up with each other, but. I don't know how much of a, uh, if you know how much of a advocate I have been for the trans movement and trans rights and trans people. It is um, a life mission of mine to uh, break that horrible, awful stigma against the G and the T and the LGBT that happen all the time. It drives me absolutely fucking crazy. Going to be very honest with you. I don't understand it. I don't know why gay men are so critical of trans people. I, I I just don't get it. I, I, last time I thought is that we are a chosen family. We are supposed to be together and supporting each other. Um, I have spoken out publicly against Wendy Williams. That was all over the press several years back when she when uh, before Caitlyn Jenner transitioned and uh, he was still Bruce and the spectacle that that was and the um you know, all of the press around that. And when he made some really horrible comments, I also had lucky enough to produce the trans episode on Queer Eye for in the second season that we ended up, you know, winning an Emmy for. And, you know, I think for me, I'm very sensitive to it. And I talk about it a lot because I can't imagine, I know what it was enough for me to come out and and struggle with my sexuality, which is part of who I am. But to to know, and I want you to put it in your own words, obviously, but to to be born one way and present one way, right? And then to feel like somebody else on the inside that you can't change right out of the gate, that's gotta be a really trippy internal battle. So I want you to talk to me a little bit about where that, like when you started to think of that, maybe, um, do you think that that's what led you into drag? Like kind of, you know, give me the the run of it. Yeah. Um, well, I think I've known for a very long time. I think I didn't want to know. And that was part of the problem. I think, you know, growing up in the South, being gay was already such a big deal. And to be quite honest, I didn't have a lot of education on trans people. There wasn't a lot of trans representation on television at the time or around me in the theater. So I didn't really have that as sort of something that even entered the ether of my brain. Um, But for me, you know, Drag Race was the first time that I was really exposed to trans people and began to go, hmm, maybe that is, you know, something that I am. Um, But it wasn't really until Corona that I finally like 
took that on and admitted it to myself. Uh, I feel like, you know, Corona, it really gave me time to like sit with myself. I think up until that point, I had just been moving and going and gig to gig and working. And so I was never focused on myself. It was always Laganja. And I think Laganja was, sorry, Laganja was, um, you know, helping me to explain part of who I am. And it also sort of gave me a way to make it make sense to myself because Laganja was my job. And so that way I didn't have to face the fact that I actually felt this feminine energy. You know, it was just, oh, it was, it was a way to categorize it. That's the word I'm looking for. I was able to categorize what I felt and say like, oh, well, it's just my job. Like, that's not really who I am. But Corona, that's when everything started to blend for me. And my, you know, barber wasn't able to cut my hair. And so my real hair grew out and it touched the back of my neck. And I just started realizing like, there's so many truths that I've buried for many years and I have to own up to these and admit these. And that was such a powerful thing for me because once I admitted it to myself, you know, I lived the first year just with my friends. I didn't come out publicly. I didn't make a big announcement. You know, I just wanted to make sure I think for me that it was the right, you know, path to being my truest self. And then once I did that for a year and felt so amazing about it, I realized like, well, I don't want to hide this anymore. You know, I'd always joked with a lot of my friends, like, really early on, like even before I was on season six, like, oh, well, when my parents die, like I'll come out as trans. And I think I said that as a joke, but I also think I really meant it. And I think there was a lot of like shame and a lot of like, I didn't want to do this to my parents. I think I still feel that to this day. Like I, you know, I think often as queer people, we feel like we are a burden to those around us. And, um, that's just not true, A. And B, if we are, well, then maybe those people around us need to shift. And ultimately, I realized, like, I want my parents to know me. Like, I don't want them to die not knowing who their child really is. And so I decided to come out very publicly, like, before taking hormones, before really doing anything that most people in the public consider to be the steps to becoming trans. And I'm saying that in air quotes, people can't see me, but you know, I think that there's this preconceived idea that, you know, bottom surgery or even top surgery or changing your face, you know, these are things that you must do in order to be trans. And to be honest, my uneducated self from Texas also thought that. And so again, that's why I fought this for so long is because it just didn't seem like something that was realistic or like that's something that would fit you know, who I am. But ultimately I discovered that, you know, the presenting of it all was a big part of it for me. Mm-hmm. And just changing the way I was presenting myself to people really helped heal a lot of wounds that I had hidden from myself. And that ultimately being addressed as she and her felt more right than being addressed as he and him. And that to me was just like to accept that was so powerful because it's something, like I said, I think I've known for very long. Like I have vivid memories of being on the playground in elementary school. And my girlfriend's like asking me like, do you wish you were a girl? And I was like, well, yeah, of course. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, so even at that young age, like I could answer that question, but I just couldn't articulate that. It's not that I wanted to be a girl or wished I was a girl, it's that that's who I am. And that this is something that I, you know, I really believe in being trans, you know, I think again, you know, each trans person is different and, and some go through their transition and then they, you know, feel fully female and that's how they view themselves. I view myself as a trans woman. I wear the trans flag, ah, I wear the trans flag with pride. I'm very proud that you know, I lived most of my life up to this point as a male and that I will live most likely the rest of my life as a female. I think that that's a beautiful thing and nothing that you should be ashamed of. And, you know, I'm very open, I think, about my transition. And that's why I chose to come forward in such a public way, because I think a lot of times we don't see people go through their transition. And if we do, it's, you know, a la Gigi Gorgeous. And it's about 
how the man becomes the woman and about their surgeries. And, you know, people will find if they go and watch my day in the life series on YouTube, that that's not really my journey. Do I think that maybe eventually surgeries will be in my, you know, future? Sure, maybe, but it's not ultimately my goal or what I'm setting out here to do. I'm setting out to really transition myself and how I feel about myself. And, you know, yeah, a look is a part of that, but ultimately that's just performing. That's just presenting. That's not who you really are at your kernel. And that for me is what's been so moving about this transition is that I've really just come to accept who I am and accept that femininity is something that I've had my whole life. And that I was just taught by society to fight that and to be another way, but that in fact, you know, our parts do not define our gender. And I think that that's really powerful. And I think as a society, we're finally getting used to this idea and moving more in that direction. But, you know, ultimately what you're born with between your legs does not decide how you present and feel and identify. And I think uh, just being able to accept that and to say that now is, is, is huge progress for me. I mean, I really, like I said, I used drag as a way to hide these emotions. And I, I'm so grateful to drag because I think without it, I would have never discovered this about myself. And it also leads me to then question, like how many other people are out there that don't have the outlet of drag that then don't get to find their true selves. Um, so I think it's an incredibly powerful art form, not only because it is the combination of many art forms like dance and uh, hair and makeup and costuming, but also because it is uh, playing with gender. And I think everyone should play with their gender because I think as a society, like I said, we're born into what we should be and how we should act. And uh, sometimes you just need to mess that up a little bit. I agree. It's interesting because, uh, and I want to get your opinion on this. I uh, personally, uh, a couple of years ago, uh, I had a bunch of friends over to my apartment. And I was like, oh, I have such a crush on Leif Ashley. Just huge crush. But like just everything about every, I mean, besides being gorgeous, he's just seemingly presents as like such a good person. You know, like when you see him in interviews, he's kind. And you can, I always feel like when you look into somebody's eyes, you can tell a lot about them. And I feel like there's a story there and a soul, a sweet soul there. And like, I just find something amazing about him. And I remember the immediate reaction. One of my gay male friends was like, yeah, but like, he doesn't, he doesn't have a dick. And I was like, why does that matter? Right. I'm not a a gay man because like, um, I just want a dick. (laughs) I mean, granted that is a lovely gift that comes with dating other men facts, but (laughs) that is not the only reason that I am, I am attracted to men. So I found it interesting and it really opened up quite a large amount of dialogue. Uh, Like, is that a little, like, is that a little transphobic for gay men? I understand, like, they don't have to be attracted to it. That's fine. But our comments like that, in my eyes, that felt a little transphobic to me. Um, And that's because it was. (laughs) Um, But but I also think, you know, like my best friend, for example, you know, he loves dick and that is his thing. And like, like, I just don't think I could ever be with a trans man because I love penis. And I'm like, I don't think that's a wrong statement either. I think that that's fair and valid. And, you know, um, I just think it's, again, something maybe that should be expressed in a better way. And and I also think, you know, ultimately for me, that is how I've felt for a very long time. And it wasn't until my transition that then I had to answer those questions within myself and say, well, why is that? And do I really need a dick? Like, is that something that makes a man for me? And ultimately for me, I've discovered, no, that isn't true. And I would very much... Um, be thrilled to be in a T for T relationship, you know, and I could see myself very happy with a trans man as long as, you know, he's putting a strap on and giving it to me because I am a bottom. <laughs> so I taught me, Noted. but I don't need it to necessarily be a biological penis. Um, sure. I am open to exploring, you know, other avenues of 
that positioning of top and bottom happening to me. But even that, I think, is something now that I'm really trying to kind of open my mind up to because, you know, that's ultimately what I'm looking for in a partner, right? Like I want a man who's going to love me regardless of the fact that I have a penis. So if I want that to be true for my partner, like that needs to be true for me too. So Mm -hmm. it's work that I'm doing. I don't think I have the answer just yet. I haven't been with a trans man, but I definitely have talked to many and am interested in exploring that. Um, But also like want to come to it with like a sort of um, sensibility too, right? Because Mm -hmm. I felt as a trans person, like, people use me and like test me out to see what it's like to be with a yeah, trans person. And so right. it's like, I, that would be the last thing I would want to do to another. I, I, partner, I 100% know? agree with that too. Cause I don't want it to feel like I am experimenting. Like, yeah, involved. like I don't want, I, I, I think what I'm going to, what I'm attracted to is what I'm attracted to. Right. And that's just that. And I think that, um, you know, I personally have de- definitely made out with trans men before not knowing uh it yeah. just they that were, didn't tell me which is perfectly right. fine it's, that's on their own accord that's totally okay um i found out after and like it wasn't like i went home and took a shower crying in the right. fetal position i was completely fine with it but i understand their nervousness obviously in those kind of situations to tell that and and i have all kinds of respect for that you know and, and i um, do too just like as i was yeah. saying you know i'm very open about my transness but I also respect those who have a different journey. You know, I think for a lot of trans people, they, you know, experience extreme body dysmorphia. Again, this isn't something that I really had, which also made it that much harder for me to come to the conclusion that I was trans because I've never hated my penis. I don't have any plans on getting rid of it or, or modifying it. You know, I'm very comfortable with it, but I also, like I said, on the other hand, I understand people who live their life, as we like to say, stealth, although I think there's probably a better term than that now. Um, I'm sure that term is like antiquated and not, but you know, there are people who, who choose not to, you know, wear the, the trans flag with pride and, and don't want people to know about their past. And I think, again, it's, it's, we should respect everyone's journey, you know, as humans, we're all different creatures And as trans people, even more so, we have even more layers to us than maybe cis people do. Um, So I respect everyone's choice. I respect everyone's thing. You know, I always tell people it's it's not good to out people. Um, With me, you can, no problem. It's on my Instagram. I'm cool. But, you know, overall, we have to respect uh, each trans person's individual right and, and, um, you know, wants. Yeah, I'll tell you, I had a life-changing experience working on Queer Eye and uh, helping produce the trans episode with Skylar. Um, Skylar is now a brother to me. Um, Skylar called me one day. Uh, we were prepping. There was some complications going into the top surgery. We had been thinking about sending a camera crew like to, to film it because Skylar has said to me, if you're there, we we can film it. Um, I want you there with, with us. Um, and I remember there being so much pressure in that thought. Like, here's such a life-changing experience that I'm going to get to go through with this person. Um, and we ended up just it being me going and being there with an iPad. But I, the point of my story was, is the moment that Skylar wakes up uh, from the surgery, top surgery, and looks down and sees his new chest for the first time, I the if you watch the iPad footage we're still using the show, it's shaking because I was crying hysterically because it was such an emotional experience for me. I can't even imagine what that was for him, you know, to to go through that journey. Um, so for you, what are your hopes as you move forward with your uh, transition and this new path that, and journey that you're on? Yeah, well, I hope for these hormones to keep working. So far, they're doing great. I'm loving them. I mean, I've gained a bunch of weight, which I'm working on now losing. Uh, I thought I was going to have a fat transfer this year um, and still have plans to do that. But unfortunately, I'd have to be out for two months, which (laughs) 
who has two months of downtime. Yeah. So um, my main goals though, are just to, to keep loving myself and to living out loud and proud and, and to hopefully, you know, be a voice for other trans individuals who can see themselves in my journey and can see that, you know, not everyone comes to this realization the same way and that there's no one right way to be trans, that all trans and non-binary identities are valid. And, um, you know, hopefully I, I just hope to love my physical self more. I think, um, you know, it's a work in progress right now. And, you know, even just learning how to dress for a new body has, has had its challenges, but it's something that I just look forward to getting more and more comfortable with. And, you know, I dream of the day that I'm finally able to go to yoga and my sports bra and, and leggings, but right now we're not there. And ultimately, because I don't want to commit to tucking for yoga class, but you know, I know eventually I'm going to get in that great shape and I'm going to love the way my body looks and that's going to happen for me, you know, but I've also learned to not like judge myself along the way or try not to, I, I still judge myself, but I try not to. And I try to just remember that it's called a transition for a reason. It, it never really ends. You're, you know, you're a trans person, your whole, the rest of your whole life, you're always going to be in transition and changing. And I think that that's a, a really beautiful thing. Cause I think even if you're not trans, you should always be in transition and you should always be working on yourself. Um, but for trans people, it's definitely that much more apparent. So I'm just excited to see what happens and, and continue to just be open to, um, the changes that I feel, you know, when I first started hormones, I was on the patch because I was very scared and I didn't know, you know, if I wanted to lose my little nipples and, you know, but over time I realized like, well, this is what I want and I, I want more. And so now I'm on injections. And so, you know, even that journey alone has been so powerful for me and has changed the way I thought I would think. So, you know, that's why I always say I'm open to top surgery. I think that might happen for me. But ideally right now, I'd like to do a fat transfer and, and just keep working with what I'm gaining naturally through hormones. Great. I love that. And and you hit the nail on the head, but just making sure that your journey stays true to who you are. And right. um, and that's just that, you know, like, you're not doing it for anybody else, but for your but for yourself. That's Talk right. to me about this cannabis business before we start to wrap things up, because I want to know. You you got involved with this company, I feel like a minute ago and now and things are starting to really take shape. And I, I want to I want you to talk a little bit about it because I know it's very important to you. Yeah. So working in the cannabis industry now, almost a decade, it's been extremely challenging. It's a pretty homophobic industry and definitely transphobic industry. But I am very grateful that I did get to launch a product with Hepburns out of San yes. Francisco. Uh, that was many years ago now, but it was really great. And we were carried at uh, MedMen and WeHo when the dispensaries were first popping up. And it was it was a really big thing at the time. Um, but it's been very challenging to get back to that point, because when we went recreational, Hepburns was such a small business. They weren't able to buy into the big licensing and to, to stay afloat. So I have tried several different avenues, several different companies, but for some reason or another, they always keep falling through. Um, I can say that I'm working with a new company right now, Great. waiting for that contract. So I won't mention their name, but if everything goes as planned, which I really, I'm, I'm feeling good feelings about this one. I will be launching my own official cannabis brand this year at 420. So keep your fingers crossed for me. I'm really, I'm really hopeful that this is finally the right partnership and the right alignment of everything. We're looking to, you know, uh, have a six pack of joints, a six inning pack, if you will. Mm -hmm. And then also my own eighth. Great branding. Of course. <laughs> and then also my own eighth of uh, cannabis flower, most likely a sativa with delicious limonene terps. I am also launching uh, water pipes this year, uh, March 20th, so that you'll have a month before 420 to get these exclusive. There's only going to be a hundred of them. And I can't wait for people to finally have an official Laganja Estranja water pipe, because while I have done some merchandising like grinders and papers, I've never really launched my own piece. So I'm working with Empire Glass on this, and it's a beautiful piece, a classic beaker style with 
beautiful black details. Of course, the Greek key, because everyone knows I love Versace. So we got the Greek key detail on there. And then we've got my great logo at the bottom, which is also very heavily inspired by Versace. And that's why we're doing the eighth is so that, you know, you can have some bud to put in your hopefully Laganja Estranja um, water pipe. So also been working on dab tools and there's there's lots of things cooking so again nothing is super official yet so this is all just sort of teasers but i have a really good feeling that this is my year things are aligning my new ep daily basis will be dropping on 420 as well and we're hoping that i will be up in august going on tour with my first ever one woman show surrounding the album Uh, So yeah, a lot of exciting things coming your way. Definitely stay tuned. Check out my website, laganjastranja.com for all the latest information. And definitely check out my YouTube every Thursday, new videos. This week we are doing an unboxing. So you you definitely get a, a variety of types of videos, but 420 Eastern Standard Time every Thursday on my YouTube. I love it. I I got sucked into a a bunch of your videos. So I was like, oh, (laughs) you know. A lot of people put out stuff like that, but like to actually be able to keep my attention, I was like, oh, okay, this is well done. Yeah. <laughs> Especially yeah, coming right. from a producer, I was like, oh, this is good. This is good. Thank you. Um, you uh, something fun that I always do is a little rapid fire. So I'm just going to throw okay. things at you and I want you to kind of give me your little honest answer. All right. Okay. Um, dream duet, like two singers that you would love to see do a song together. Um myself and missy elliott <laughs> okay i love that that's actually amazing that would be a great idea that would be a that's great idea dream. i would download that for sure <laughs> okay um go to snack item well right now i'm on my healthy kick okay so i would say like lemon oh, water <laughs> right. but when i'm not i would say reese's pieces and chips and salsa Okay, great. I'm I'm a I like the hint of lime uh, Me too. potato chips. Yeah, Me big too. fan. Obsessed. Big fan. Okay. Um uh, favorite movie of all time. I have three. It's Drop Dead Gorgeous, First Wives Club, and Bring It On. Okay, can I tell you when somebody asked me my favorite movie of all time? Do you want to know what my response is? I have three. See? Clue, Moulin okay. Rouge, and the oh. Lord of the Rings films. Totally different. I couldn't go on that last spin with you. All right, on the first two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the original Clue is like one of my favorite movies of all time. I, it's so good. Yeah, Madeline Kahn, Crystal Lloyd, just fantastic. Totally. Um. All right. Uh, favorite artist? Probably Bob Fosse. Okay, I like it. I like I like that. I'm not mad about it. Okay, go to, um, like you can't go without it. Makeup item. Ooh, I have so many, but I know you do. One go to. I'm gonna go with the liquid canvas by Tatcha because I believe if you don't have a good prep and prime skin, the makeup is like useless. So that's like technically skincare, but I think that that's like a basis. And then if I had to pick an actual makeup product that I can't live without, I'm gonna get to go with the good old airspun um, powder. Okay. Um, what do you find most attractive about somebody? How much they challenge me. Okay. I like that answer. That's a good one. That's a really good one. I don't, I, I'm a Virgo, so I'm a control freak. So I don't, I, I have either, I have I mean, to I'm date. a Capricorn. We're pretty controlling <laughs> too, but I like Thanks. to be challenged in a relationship. I, I want to be evolving as I said so I I find it very attractive when someone challenges me and makes me think twice all right um favorite comfort food sour cream chicken enchiladas oh I don't think I've ever had that what I have to try it I mean I've had chicken enchiladas but are they made differently because you know I I might have to throw down okay okay yeah. All right. I might have to look up a recipe and try it. I'm going to send you a picture of it when I do. They're pretty good. Okay. Um, Oprah or Gail? Oprah. Okay. Favorite member of NSYNC? You know, I would normally say Justin Timberlake, but honestly, I got to hang out with Lance Bass when I went to support Shangela on Dancing with the Stars, and he was a hoot. So I'm going to say Joey. 
You know, I mean, uh, I mean, I'm gonna say Lance. Lance say listen, Joey. you got you got photonicized. I get it. Right. I understand. You know, I I've been real. I've been friends with Lance for years now, and we've traveled like everywhere together. I was in New Orleans with him when he got engaged to his husband, and we've been everywhere. I tell you, one of the nicest guys in the world. Just so kind and naughty. So, I wasn't yes. expecting him to be naughty. He so is. I like, he I is. I love that about him. Yeah, yeah. He does have a little naughty side to him. I love. I love him, but and Michael, so much. We were um, definitely reading the contestants. It was fun. Oh, I am sure yeah, you were. What was that? What was that like? I want to ask you, what was that being on so Dancing cool. with the Stars? I mean, that's been one of my hugest dreams ever is to be on that show. So I'm just praying like Shangela opened the door for Alyssa and I on Drag Race. She's opened the door for me on Dancing with the Stars. Well, I hope so. I'll keep my fingers crossed for you. Yes. Um, anything else that... Um, you want to say to the audience or anybody else listening, um, you know, I love you to pieces. I can't thank you enough for doing this. Um, truly just, it's what I love about these, uh, doing this podcast is just being able to have conversation with people that I admire, uh, and people that I see, um, that I want to know that I see them and I see what you're doing and I see who you are and I love everything about it. Um, but you know, if you have any final words, I'd love to hear it. Well, thank you for having me as always. You have been supporting me since day one. So, you know, I wanted to come and support you back. Uh, if I can leave any, you know, advice or whatever people with some final words, it's, you know, be sickening, be unapologetic, be kind, be professional, be a boss. Don't be a bitch. Always show up on time. Always clean up after your mess and make sure you're having some fucking fun. Facts. Yes. Agreed. Always have a good time. Uh, thank you so much again. I really appreciate you being here. Thanks again, Boo. Of course. I, I love, love you. you. Good to see I, you and talk so, to you for an hour. Oh my God. I know. I love it. It's been too long. And then will you give me like, um, hey, it's the Ganja. You're listening to What's Up Woody podcast. Yep. Hey, it's your girl, Miss Laganja Astranja, and you're listening to What's Up Woody podcast. Oh, I love you. Thank you, boo. I'll talk to you love soon. Love you, baby. All See right, you take later. care. All right, bye. 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 Thanks for listening to another episode of What's Up, Woody. You can listen to past episodes on your favorite podcast streaming platform. Like, rate, and subscribe now. Or by visiting whatsupwoody.com. Follow us on social media. Instagram is at Woody Woodbeck and what's underscore up Woody. And on Twitter, it's at what's up Woody one. Have an amazing day and be kind to one another.